Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You want to know what the best email marketing service is for your small business? Well, I've got the team for you. EmailToolTester.com is the place to find reviews and tutorials of newsletter services like ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, GetResponse, and many more. Download their free comparison spreadsheet that will help you find the best email marketing service among many providers. Just Google Email Tool Tester Comparison Template to find it. Again, just Google it. Email tool tester comparison template to find it. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.
Today on the show, I've got Anna Viegas. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at NI. NI was previously known as National Instruments. She's a seasoned marketing leader, and we talk about her experience at NI, how she ascended to the CMO role, how the role is defined at NI, which actually is a little bit unique, like many CMO roles across the across the globe, and includes their corporate impact work, which is related to sustainability, ESG, and the related type of efforts in terms of delivering on NI. Purpose. So we go a little deeper into those areas as well and how that manifests itself into the marketplace. And then we talk a little bit about what they're doing in terms of trying to drive diversity within engineering and technology talent, which is a core component of their efforts. And her life lessons as a both successful business leader as well as a woman in trying to drive diversity. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Anna Viegas. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> it's going to be a fun conversation. Now, before we get started, people are going to hear you have an accent. Um, and so I want to hear a little bit about where you're from. But I also hear that the, the English language, I mean, even for a native speaker can be extraordinarily difficult. I grew up in the South uh, of the United States and I think we get picked on a lot of times because we say words that don't really exist, like might could and ain't and all kinds of things. But I hear you have kind of a funny story about that as well. I definitely have learned the English language and uh, some of the words that have different meanings. And one of the stories I remember and I still laugh when I remember is my first year here, I went to a doctor and I was not feeling well. So I went to a doctor. I didn't know this doctor right first time meeting the, this doctor. And I, she said, well, what are your system, symptoms? And I said, well, I'm not feeling well. I'm really feeling constipated, very constipated. So she said, okay, why don't you lay down? And I lay down. And then she started patting my stomach and saying, does it, where does it you know, hurt? And I'm looking to her and I'm thinking, I have this on my nose. Why is she touching my stomach? And then, and I said, I didn't realize it at that point. I just said, well, it's really here in my nose. <laughs> and she gave me a weird look. And basically I realized, oh, I shouldn't have used the word constipated. I should have wor- used the word congested. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that that I'm glad it didn't go any further. You know? yes. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a very awkward <laughs> doctor session. Yes, yes, uh, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah, the English language is 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 bizarre. I think, um, and uh, it, 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 so many rules, so many different words to to sound similar. So, wow, yeah, I'm I'm glad. <laughs> and for the record, in Spanish, you say constipado. Constipado means congested. Ah, see. So I would just traduce. I was, you know, like I'm using the right word here. Well, that's when the Latin root really, uh, really doesn't help you much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know they were that close and in, in common. That's that's funny. I will think twice the next time one of my Latin friends says that. Oh, you may say the wrong word the next, <laughs> next time you go to a doctor because I just brainwash you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm gonna say, well, I, I'm I'm talking about the Latin root. Come on, go back to your training. Don't you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you. <laughs> glad you guys figured that out quickly. Where is your accent from? I am originally from Peru, South America. Nice, nice, nice. Beautiful, beautiful country. Let's talk about business. You are the chief marketing officer at NI. What was your path to get there? 
where'd you start and, and kind of what were some of the highlights along the way? So my path started in, in Peru where I studied engineering and I ran into a class around marketing and marketing strategy. It was like an elective. I took it and I just came out of the class saying, oh my God, this is it. I want to do marketing. This is so interesting. So early on, I decided that I wanted to start looking for opportunities in marketing. So I work in a brokerage house. I work in a bank, the largest bank in Peru for the first eight years of my career. I was leading marketing, right? And I was having very interesting um, journey and learnings, but I realized that I wanted to grow and expand my scope. So I decided to come to the U.S. and uh, did uh, my MBA at Kellogg in Chicago. And from there, starting the work at Dell in marketing. And I went through all the different functions and different type of customers you can think about, uh, you know, working at Dell. I did consumer, I did small business, I did medium business. And through my 16 years at Dell, especially the, the first five to seven, the main thing was I would always get opportunities to work in uh, go to operations or go to the analytics team or go do Latin America. And I'll be like, uh-uh. I want to become a chief marketing officer. And I, if I go to do analytics, which I can do, right? And I can, or I do uh, go into the operations organization. If I go too far away from marketing, it's going to really deviate me from my path. So I, I will say that I'm very, I was very focused on where I want to get to. So through this journey, right? Um, Carla actually reached out to me and very quick, funny story here. Carla has reached out to me eight years before when I was at Dell to work for her in Latin America. And I have told her no, because I was like, I have all this experience in Latin America and people want, I need experience in the U.S. So I told her no. And I said, oh my God, I just burned the biggest bridge of my life. Right. But eight years later, she reached out again and she's like, hey, I have a role that I don't think you're going to say no this time to. So can we talk? And I was like, of course, absolutely. So at that point, she was a CMO for, for an eye. And she wanted me to come and build the demand-gent uh, function, right? And the operations and the campaign piece. So it's a big part of the, the marketing organization. So I took the role because I found it super interesting. And also because it put me closer to that chief marketing officer role. I took the role that first year was crazy because we had to build right things from scratch and hire people and do the rebrand and launch the demand generation engine and, and a lot of things. And after like a year and almost a half, that's when Carla was moving to be the CMO of IBM. And that's where I raised my hand to say, hey, I'm ready to take this role. I've been, you know, building all these pieces. I, I know the customer, I understand the company and the industry, I'm ready to lead marketing. So went to the interviews and, and got the role and it's been an amazing year and a half as the chief marketing officer for NI. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. And just so we use her full name, you're, you're, when you speak of Carla, you're talking about Carla Pinheiro Sublet, if I pronounce that properly. Correct. Yes. 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 And who has been on the show before as well. I think right around the time you guys launched the NI brand or refresh. But yeah, I enjoy talking to her and she went on to 
to IBM and I'm sure she's going to do great things now, um, whatever role she takes next as well. So, but, um, yeah, no, that that's an amazing journey. I mean, and I was at Dell, I interned at Dell, I should say, oh, wow. for yes. a very brief period. Yeah, it was the summer of 2005. Well, I was there already. I know, I know. I, I was like trying to figure out, I think we were in different groups. I was in the product group and specifically in peripherals, uh, which was not that fun, although I did a project around trying to help them figure out if they should be worried about the iPhone because the iPhone was Oh, what did you, what did you, what was your conclusion? I said, yes, you should be okay, worried about good. the iPhone. <laughs> yes. I, I think they were, I think there was a time where if I'm not mistaken, I think Dell had like an MP3 player, which I can't remember yes, the name Yes, I remember. Of, mm-hmm. Like Juke or something like that, maybe. I, I may have that name wrong, but, and they were trying to figure out where to go next with it. And I was like, well, you should think about putting phone capabilities in the thing. So anyway, they didn't do it obviously, but, but they've done well despite that. So, but anyway, that was a fun time and I'm sure we know a lot of people in common, but uh, as you think about the CMO role and I, like how is it des- designed? Uh, Cause every CMO, I mean, you probably know this, but the CMO role is kind of like a snowflake. Like there's not exactly the same role at every company. There's always a little twist or nuance depending on the company I talk to. So I'm curious how it's defined it. And I. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I think that I've seen the same, right? Depending on the company, there is the CMO has a piece, but they don't have sometimes all the areas around the customer. So for NI, the, the CMO role is responsible for brand to demand. So what traditional you will see under a, a CMO role is a global organization. My organization supports all the business units, all the customers, right? All the regions. So we are not split uh, under the different groups, but we are all centralized. And then also part of my organization, I have all a uh, corporate communications. So both external and internal communications and a corporate impact. So the ESG and the CSR efforts, I have a team who is leading um, the strategy and, um, you know, the, the achieving the goals as part of my organization. Oh, wow. Okay. And how did the like purpose and the ESG components become part of marketing? That's an interesting nuance. And, and I think it's appropriate for marketing, but I'm curious how it became part of marketing's remit. So as part of, so, so this is a company that have been, you know, alive, like, you know, existed in the market for over 40 years and they were looking to modernize and part of modernizing the company was modernizing the brand, but part of modernizing the brand and clarifying the purpose and the values was also defining and, and building an ESG strategy a corporate impact strategy, because it's not that NI hasn't been doing ESG or CSR efforts in the past. They've been doing things since the day they started as a company, but they really haven't put in paper, this is a strategy and these are the moonshot goals for the next 10 years we're going to commit to externally. So that was part of the efforts uh, my team led as part of the rebrand was also the corporate impact piece. So we brought a head of a person who, Tabata Abshaw, who is our head of corporate impact, she reports to me, and uh, we brought her because she had the expertise having built that in other companies, and uh, we built that team 
from the ground up that tinting existed. So tell me a little bit more. Like, what does. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's the corporate impact. How do you define that? What does that look like in terms of like purpose? And how does it manifest, if you will, out to the marketplace? So the corporate impact is really the way we it it it's aligned to our purpose, right? And our purpose is to empower engineers to be successful, innovate, and drive the world of the future. So when you think about that and you you look at our pillars, we have three pillars. Our first pillar is changing the faces of engineering. So diverse representation, diverse leadership, inclusion, STEM education, and STEM volunteering. The second pillar is building an equitable and thriving society. So rewards equity. So we have its balance across employees in similar roles across the organization. Employee well-being, employee engagement, supplier diversity, and uh, initiatives that uh, will support for equity and economic opportunity um, through monetary and product donations and volunteers. So that's all part of the society one. And then the third one is engineering a healthy planet. So that's where the green technology, the zero waste, the green building, the climate and the circular design are all part of this effort. So those are what constitutes our corporate impact strategy. And we have goals for the next 10 years around each of these areas. So we can um, release every year where we do, where we doing versus the goals. It, that also help us align our grants, our volunteer effort, right? Where, where the company is investing their time, their money, their employees, their, their resources, because we all want to support around this goal. So it really becomes your enabler of how you start bringing things or, or bringing your efforts into market. Well, and if I remember right from my research around the company, I mean, you guys have You've taken a different approach to this. I think a more active approach to like investing in certain things that align to your purpose. You mentioned the volunteer component, but you've put action and behaviors behind the words, if that makes sense. Maybe more so than other other organizations. And the other piece of that that I would maybe talk speak to as well is like NI in itself, like the work that you do 
to help, like, I mean, your, your services and products, like they enable engineering to happen, right? <laughs> like, so you, you sit in a very privileged space to help change the face of engineering and educate others as well. I think, I don't know how you feel about it. Yes. I think we, you know, we are behind. So the, the regular consumer will not know about us because they will know about what Intel, Samsung, like the big ones are doing, the technology firms, but we are behind enabling that technology to happen. So for the engineers at the night, it's, they are passionate about solving problems of the world. So when they are working on developing products is, okay, how can we develop products that help our customers, right? These businesses uh, drive a better and healthy planet. So they have less waste. So they have, they need less resources. They, they need less electricity. They have renewables. And all of that is part of the process of how we are building our products, our solutions, and how we are thinking about the roadmap of What's the future, right? What's the R&D? What, what do we have to solve next? An example that comes to mind that we had an intern during the summer and he was working in some content around sharing the story of uh, the engineers who were working in the future of uh, electric vehicles and how to charge them. So today, right, electric vehicles, is, yeah, they're amazing. They are, you know, everybody's like, oh, I have an electric vehicle. I'm helping the world. Yes, you're helping the world, but you still need electricity to run. So in a place like Texas, um, the challenge is that, especially in the summer, right, when we were having our grid was completely at the capacity, you had all these people connecting the electric vehicles and adding more to the capacity of the grid. So these engineers are already working on, okay, how, what's the, the future to not use that because that's not helping the, the environment, right? How can we use uh, the solar power to, to charge the vehicle? How can we use that, that, that vehicle itself to be able to recharge itself? So it's all these like futuristic things that their people are testing and doing today. So we can solve the problems of the future to building the solutions now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, and you're on the extreme front end of like thinking about how do we solve this next problem that we haven't even thought of yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause to your point, like EV, EV vehicles are awesome, but then you put them in the context of a hot summer with demand on an electric grid and you're like, Oh wait, wait. <laughs> all right. New problem to now engineer our way out of. Um, yeah, exactly. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it, it's really cool work in terms of what you guys do. And I can totally see how the purpose and the corporate impact story and, and work, frankly, it comes to life. I want to talk a little bit more about your, your efforts to um, you know, d change the face, I think you said, of engineering or drive more diversity in engineering and technology. How is that going? And where do you think we are today? in terms of that effort? So there are two main areas. I think we, you know, when you start thinking about how do I uh, change the faces of engineering to make them more diverse? Because when, when you look at engineering teams, and I'm an engineer, right? So I went to school and it was all male. There were very few women. And in the teams, you know, coming to an eye, I saw the same, right? So the company wants to change it. We, I want to change it. When I'm hiring, I'm like, how do I can help with this diversity piece? But when you look at the pipeline, the pipeline is not huge. 
So one of the things we realize is it's not only putting the goal and, and asking our leaders, you have to bring more diverse candidates, right? We have to make sure we're doing the right thing, etc. But it's also impacting and driving the pipeline. And for that is impacting the kids that are in high school, in middle school, right? So especially, so girls can start thinking about following a career in engineering. So one of the things we are doing is we have, you know, announced $2.7 million in grants for STEM education organizations. So we can, you know, support. And then it's not only the grant, right? Being addition to the grant is also the volunteering. It's very important for NI to always pair it with how can we help these kids, right? Learn about the possibilities and the fun on going into an engineering career. So how do you do it? You bring our own engineers. And they do, you know, uh, they, they actually build games with them. They, you know, they work with the Legos and we support ro- the um, first robotics and we support by working and building robots with them, but by, by building the code, right? Volunteering that, going to, to the event in Houston. So that's just one of the organization, but basically it's being part of that and showing uh, the younger generations that there is a great opportunity if you go into an engineering ca- career. We also have um, in, in inclusion resource groups. We call them the IRGs. And we are investing and growing this resource group because, because we also think that it's not about just from a top down saying, oh, we need to increase the percentage of managers of people of color. But you also need the IRGs to help us, right? Reaching to their networks, reaching to those areas that we do, sometimes we don't even know they exist to help bring that talent that is not aware, we are not aware of, and it's like the, the hidden gems that you want to, to want to, to have. And it's about having our teams have that fail, uh, that, that feeling of inclusion. And we've been doing some, some you know, inclusion training and uh, helping people feel connected because that's another piece. You cannot only just say, oh, I'm going to reach this number and that's it. You have to see, okay, are people really seeing a diverse representation? Are people seeing a diversity of opinion? And that's also an art piece that's been very important for, for NI. No, I love it. I love, I love all those elements. And it's something I haven't told you yet, but I'll tell you now is my daughter who's 14, my only, my only kid, so to speak. Um, she thinks she wants to be an aerospace engineer. And oh so, my God. yeah, yeah. So, um, we're trying to help support that as much as possible. And she's done coding classes like you've described, like all of these like STEM education opportunities that have come around as well as you know, coding classes. And this past summer we went international trip and she did an educational program for a couple of weeks in an engineering camp. So, yeah. So we're doing our little part too here at our house. <laughs> so, <laughs> she needs to visit an eye then. I know she does. She and does. Go to the labs. Yeah, she well, will enjoy that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Austin's a great place to be anyway, but yes, we should definitely make a visit out there. The, um, she, uh, we'll see if it sticks. Cause I think she would be a great engineer first and foremost, but I also think she wants to be the boss one day. So, uh, 
<laughs> so we'll see if she if she stay, stays with engineering or if she kind of moves into like business or a hybrid between the two. But uh, but we'll see. Well, I'm offering publicly that I'm happy to talk to her if you if you oh, want yeah. me to at any point. <laughs> well, thank you so Mentor much. Mentor her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you are a successful leader. You're a CMO of a, a, a large global company and you're also a woman. How do you see the role of women in leadership today in business? Well, I think that the role of women is critical, but in, in the sense that, you know, they bring a different point of view. They, they bring a different way of looking at things. And me as a leader, I feel it's my responsibility to help other women, right? To, to bring other women up, to help promote other women, because that's, we're still not the big percentage. We're still not, there are men, not many women CEOs. I think that CMOs, there are more women, but not, you know, still getting, you know, getting into that race is difficult. So as women, we have to support each other and show others that we can make a difference and, and we can make a big impact and we need to believe in each other. Yeah, I agree. And there's, I would say like within the CMO community, I think we're pretty close to even with men. Um, I think it, the latest stats I saw it m- might have a slight edge actually with women, but don't quote me on that. I can't remember the exact numbers, but pretty close, but, but we're ahead. And I think all the C-suite functions, I mean, all the rest of the C-suite functions are way behind, way, way behind. And we know the CEO role is way even more further behind, but yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, how do you, when you think about like what it looks like to you know, bring other women along. Like, what what does that look like? It's just curious how that manifests itself, if you will. So, in my case, I am involved in different organizations that you know support women. Um, so, I'm, I'm I'm part of Latinas in Technology. That's an organization here in Austin. Um, part of uh, the Women's Magazine, right? I, I'm very interested in in that. In that organization and what they do, and uh, I am in the board of Latinitas, which is an organization for girls in, in educating them in, in technology from low income resources. And so I want to make sure that I'm, and I'm also a volunteer to mentor. So I'm part of a, a mentorship program called Sirisa, where I am paired with somebody who I mentor on a regular basis. And I'm always, you know, open to, to talking to women and making sure I, I talk about them. I, if, if, if I see opportunities, right, I bring up from my network, from my, uh, from the people I know and I sponsor them. I not only just talk about them, but I sponsor them because there's amazing talent here in Austin, which is where, where I have a, a big network. And we just have, I, people just have to know about these amazing leaders. Yeah. Yeah, no, bringing them forward through the organization or to other organizations, I, I, that's a great way to do it. And mentoring them as well, like you described. I'll have to make sure we link to some of those organizations so other people can get involved if they're interested as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And, and then some, sometimes it's, you know, speaking, speaking up of the white elephant in the room. And this just, for example, something that happened to me, I was not like probably a year and a half ago, I, I was in a session with my peers and my leader, and we were talking about planning around the talent, right? And uh, it was more a discussion of when you do this succession planning, which is when leaders get together and say, okay, if I were to leave, 
these are the people in my organization who are ready or in the next six months, who will be ready in the next year, who will be ready in the next two years to take my role. So everybody goes to their organization and, and, and shows the name. So I went to mine. And then there were like seven more people who went through theirs. All these seven people were men and each of them presented their succession planning. So it's at least seven or eight names that you have, right? Because people who are running six months in a year. So after they all presented, I raised my hand and I said, I don't see any women <laughs> in any of your charts. I just want to call out, you know, there's a silence. Like it was like a pin has dropped. Everybody's looking at me and somebody raised their hand and they said, well, there is no women ready in my team. And I said, well, <laughs> if you never put them in this list, right? I'm not saying they will be ready in six months. Maybe they'll be ready in two years. But if you don't bring them up, we're never going to discuss them. We're never going to think about them as a potential successor. So it's just something as simple as that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it makes me, it makes me think about the, the, uh, Broadway show Hamilton and the, if you're, I want to be in the room where it happens, you're in the room where it happens and you can have a huge impact by pulling through the diversity and the inclusion that needs to be happening at that moment in time. So kudos. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you're right. Like if we don't, if we don't, pull forward or pull through a diverse set of candidates, will they, how will they ever get there? It's just a foregone conclusion at that point. So yeah, that, that's awesome. I love that example. More people listening to this should be taking notes. <laughs> yes, yes. Especially the leaders, the men leaders. Think about your succession planning and you need at least one woman in that. Absolutely. In that plan. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, we were talking, we set this, I, I set the question up for you to you know, talk about the, the role of a woman in leading. It's equally, to your point, equally, if not more important for men to speak up and say when they don't see it, because quote unquote, the we, the uh, collective we, we're always in the room, you know, even if there's no one like yourself in the room. And so we need to, we need to do our part as well. So. Yes. Everyone needs to be taking notes today. Well, this has been fascinating. I mean, I'm so interested in, in kind of like how NI is one, the fact that, you know, this corporate impact piece is inside marketing. I think that's a pretty interesting nugget in and of itself. And then how you're bringing that to life and, and how it's linked to your purpose overall. Very fascinating with what you're doing. But I love all of the advice that we just went through in terms of like the, you know, how to bring more diversity into the functions, make sure we're nurturing them, make sure that we're succession planning with them in mind. So it's fascinating what you're doing on the business front. One of the things I love to do with people that come on the show, though, is go a little bit deeper on the personal side and get to know you a little bit better. And my favorite question to ask everyone that comes on is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I think that one of the most impactful uh, experiences in my past have been grow growing up. My grandmother, she was, um, you know, she's from, she's, she was from Peru. She was a person who never went to college. She didn't have that opportunity. She barely finished high school. But even though, you know, she was married and had the kids, she actually co-founded an organization for abused women. And she dedicated her life to help these women. So growing up, when I was visiting her, it was always knocking the door, right? And somebody will appear, maybe somebody with a baby in their hands and I'm saying, I don't have money to 
to buy milk. And she will just invite them in and give them something, whatever she could get. So she was always helping others and she was always caring for others, even though she didn't have much. And that was something that stuck with me. And it was something that now that I'm in a position to help, right, and to to support others, it's very important. It's basically my core because you can do it no matter where you are or who you are. If it's in your, you know, in your heart. Man, what a what a great story and a fantastic woman. Holy moly, what a great role model. <laughs> That's an amazing story. And actually something personal, I don't know that I've ever shared this with listeners, but my grandmother as well, very strong. I'm raised by very strong women. I don't know if it comes through, but like my mom is, I mean, unbelievable. My my mom's mother, my grandmother on that side, very strong. She actually was in an abusive relationship when she was raising my my mother and and her brother and ended up leaving her husband much like you just described you know your 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 grandmother setting up an organization to help people in that same situation and luckily she had people that help her along the way um help her get settled but uh it is not easy and it is not easy doing it <laughs> in whatever the 1960s ish time frame in the U S and working full time and trying to raise kids. I can't even imagine. So I'm definitely a product of really strong women in my life and uh, love to hear stories about other ones as well. well. What advice would you give your younger self if you were starting this journey all over again? I will say, don't be afraid to speak up as a diverse person. I, we need to speak for ourselves and for others no matter where we are or, or, or what we are doing, speak up and, you know, and, 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 and make sure people, people know it. And then people know when you see things that are not right or you see things that are not okay. I can, I can see your grandmother coming through those words. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome advice. Well, as a marketer, next few questions are a little bit more marketing centric. What do you think marketers need to be learning more about right now? Or maybe it's something you're trying to learn more about yourself. Here is where I'm saying that there is, you know, big changes happening in marketing. Marketing has always been all around the customer. And when you talk about, you know, what research you're doing or what's the message or what's the campaign, it's all about the customer. But if you think about as a company and a company reputation, you really, it's multidimensional. It's the customer, yes, but it's also the employee, right? It's also the, our vendors. It's also the community. And it's, it's all of those pieces that really make what a company is liked or not, what people believe or not in a company. So as a marketer, I am working very closely with the chief of HR for an I, Kate Prescott, because we are working together in our efforts, aligning our efforts, how, what the campaign that's going for, for customers, employees are seeing, right? So what are we going to talk about? What are the, the, the communications and the topics we need to elevate is very important. The same with the investor relations piece, the same with, corporate, in this case, corporate impact is part of my effort, but if you have corporate impact outside of marketing, you still need to be partnering because it's the community and you want to make sure that message is clear and it's aligned across the different dimensions. I love that. 
I love that. And I really like how you broke it down. You know, yes, it's the customer, but it's employees, vendors, community, it's all of it. So, well, are there brands or companies or causes, you know, you follow, you think other people should take notice of? So I am very involved and I'm in the board of Latinitas. That's an organization here in Austin, but they also have their, since the pandemic, they have been doing more virtual uh, efforts and classes, and they support girls starting at nine-year-old from low-income families to give them access to learn about technology and also learn about themselves. It's interesting because if you look at the camps they have in the summer, yes, some of the content is about coding, right? And some of the content is about having them exposed to going to a film studio, right? Or going to, they partner with JCPenney to do a, a fashion collection and how to design that. But there is also classes around how to, you know, believe in yourself, speak, you know, public speaking, present to, to, to leaders. Like I've seen in those, in those panels and then the girls, nine-year-old put together a presentation and present to me, which is amazing. And uh, for me, what it's very important is that when you spend time with this girl, right, they, they come from such a, a different world that you sometimes forget Though that world of challenging, right? Parents that maybe they went to, to college that, that they barely are making the day to day income is there. And I remember I was um, at, I attended one of the camps. We were volunteering there. I was sitting with the girls. And one of the girls was super excited because she was, I think, turned 11. And for the first time in her life, her parents have afforded to take her to a McDonald's. She said that, and I was like, oh my God, that's why I do this. Because this, you know, they will never have access to other things. They are in, in, a, in a different world. And it's our responsibility to help and to be there and to tell them there's, there is a lot of things you have opportunities if you want them to, to go in that direction, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely make sure we link to that organization so other people can get exposed to it as well. It sounds like they're doing phenomenal work. And I love the confidence building that they're doing with classes around believing in themselves and public speaking. It's amazing to me, as I have worked with folks coming from similar backgrounds to the ones you just described, that a lot of times it's just seeing it and being exposed that can help provide the confidence that, yes, I can do that. Or even put it on the horizon that it is possible. Like this, this is something that you can do. And we've talked to a couple of organizations over the years on the show as well that are doing different but similar oriented educational programs. So I love it. Thank you for sharing. Last question for you I have is, um, as a marketer, what do you feel like is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers? I think the largest opportunity for us is to continue to learn and educate ourselves and be agile and keep changing the way we connect with the customers. I know that right now the threat is right everything around privacy and, and the cookie world and, uh, you know, the things are going to change. But people can see it as a threat. I just see it as an opportunity to keep improving what's the best way to keep our customer engaged? We've gone to the, hey, let's try social media, right? And the social media bonanza. We've gone through the digital bonanza where everything was supposed to be digital. And now I feel like after the pandemic, we have, we're finally marketing to humans. We're finally getting away from just data and, you know, and numbers and starting to see what these 
content makes people feel like, right? Do they believe in my company or are they just going to click because I'm just offering the discount here and it's a one time and, and never again. So I think that's the opportunity. Just keep learning and talking to others and also see how you can partner with your chief of human resources, how you can partner with your ESG leader to really build holistic campaigns and not just customer campaigns. Uh, I love it. I love it. And I, I don't, nothing to add. You said it all. <laughs> <laughs> so Anna, this has been an amazing time talking with you and getting an opportunity to chat with you. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Alan. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.